0: Oh, Joe, there you are. Hey, man, were you part of the security detail that uh, was supposed to be interrogating these alien intruders?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I did. Uh, I just got done talking to him, actually. Great bunch of guys. What? Yeah, really friendly. Just a delight to talk to. Got to know. Okay, one so you don't have to
0: waterboard any of them to get the information out then.
1: Oh, heavens, no, no! They they were happy to discuss their circumstances and do everything they could to help us out in this kind of weird circumstance we find ourselves in. Kind of
0: weird circum, dude. This is an invasion. Where where are our dudes at? Why are they here? What
1: do you mean? I hey, listen. They're as confused as we are, and you know what? They they're so friendly and helpful that they volunteered to actually familiarize themselves on ship systems. They can help us with the search while we're a little short handed. Yeah, my ass. Hey, what'd the
0: lie detector say? What do you mean, lie detector? Well, I mean, you hooked him up to the lie detector, right? We just just had a conversation. Joe, these guys are abducting our people and very clearly trying to take the ship over.
1: No, they're not. They're, They're just strangers, friendly alien strangers that just are kind of appearing on the ship while our people are disappearing. I'm sure it's some sort of random space butthole that is responsible. We'll fix it. Hicks down on deck three told me that he saw four of
0: them standing around with a homemade map of Voyager that they had tattooed on one of the guys back with a big X over the weapons locker engineering in the bridge.
1: Well, you know, they are busy mapping out different locations that people have appeared and disappeared as part of their assistance for us. And, you know, I don't understand their culture real well. So maybe that's just how they, you know, record information. We have to be sensitive to other people's cultures in the Delta Quadrant. It's a weird place.
0: Joe, now's the wrong time to be woke Starfleet. We are in the middle of a major invasion,
1: dude. The chief engineer is gone. You know, and just so happened that there's this really friendly alien engineer that's shown up and is down in engineering right now, helping us figure things out and learning all the controls. I, absolutely nothing could go wrong. I saw a group of those guys
0: looking at Ensign Wildman pointing at her belly and licking their lips like they
1: were going to eat her unborn baby. I think they just have a lot of dry mouth problems. I think you might have misinterpreted a cultural cue there. That's okay. I'll go through a refresher on you with you on the holodeck once we uh we get everybody back. Joe, what part of
0: alien invasion are you just not getting here? I mean, even Janeway,
1: the trap queen,
0: sees the writing on the wall here. We need to lock these systems down. I think we might even need to get the emergency
1: self-destruct in place. You know Janeway loves blowing the ship up. I think the captain is just a little bit out of place here. It's a clear indicator that there's everything's okay. These aliens have silly hats. What? Silly hats! They don't have weird shit in their hair. They don't have some sort of strange uh, forehead action or uh, kind of ridges or or cheekbones or anything like that. Like all the other races that ever threaten us. That's the thing. Shit in the hair, weird stuff on the forehead. These guys, they are just weigh silly hats. They must be fine. Joe, you better hope I'm the next person to get abducted off this ship
0: before I come over there and slap you in your fucking mouth.
1: Welcome to the sixty-sixth episode of Future Please, a hateful voice for the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Can you believe that we've done sixty-six episodes of the show? Not
0: counting right, live streams. That's right, man. Order sixty-six. Kill all the Jedi. This is a good one. <laughs>
1: this is Pelby's choice over here. And speaking of good ones, how about that for just the smoothest of segues? What did we watch this week? So, I'm sorry, did you say good
0: ones? Oh, this. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready for an argument, folks.
1: (laughs) Season three, episode 24, Displaced. I want to go ahead and call it out from the beginning. We need to have some kind of theme song or Uh, visual or, or audio cue that we need to pipe in. Whenever there is, there is a Voyager episode in which our heroes wind up in some kind of space prison because it's almost every other fucking episode now.
0: Tried and true. Uh, there are quite a few tropes that we've established that get covered here. Miraculously, we don't end up seeing a shuttlecraft, but I'm guessing now that I'm thinking about this episode as a whole, this was probably a low budget episode, huh?
1: Yeah, there was definitely some reuse. Um, they did use a variety of sets, they all just look cheap as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't think I've watched this episode in 20 years. So this was an interesting experience to go back through. Because at this point, we're the next one's going to be the Maquis
0: uprising episode. And then we get into Scorpion, which I'm guessing is probably going to be pretty special effects heavy. So this is like the the lull, the financial lull before the the big budget SFX storm.
1: Yeah, I got to save those ducats for when you're going to have your big Borg throw down at the very end. So under understandable in that regard. Uh, what is uh, also understandable is a, a good bit of continuity at the beginning, because our opening scene is Bolana paying off the bet during the flirty interchange that she and Tom had during the previous episode about how they were going to go do uh, Klingon calisthenics. And they're exiting the holodeck with Balana carrying a batleth, looking real pissed off. And Tom trying to convince her it was a good time. I will say I love the uh, civilian workout gear. That's actually well-designed civilian clothes. Well,
0: it's very clear that Tom Parrish shops at H&M. Balana of all the times we can shove a woman in just skin-tight spandex cat suits. Kess, I'm looking at you, although hers are usually velvet. Instead, we've got Bellana in these loose-fitting, what I can only describe as Jedi robes.
1: Yeah, she's kind of got this... Uh, it's one of those vests, except it kind of comes all the way down to the knees. It is odd, but I kind of like it. It's better designed than a lot of the other clothes we've seen them wear. It's not Chakotay's drug rug, you know? I was just a little about bit to more say. Elegant.
0: <laughs> these the guys are definitely. These guys are definitely dress better for the occasion than what uh, old Jacote brought out. So, the the continuity, and there's a fair amount of it to go around. There was certainly a lot in the last episode Distant Origin, which uh, I was listening to that episode yesterday, or this today and yesterday. Um, that was a great episode, and I, I don't know if it really came through in our podcast, but there was so much to talk about, and I think that's really where I'm pulling a lot of my joy out of Voyager. You know, it doesn't have to be the best script, but I think if there's some some meaty thought on the episode's bone for us to chew on and say what if and kind of flesh out. Those are the ones I've really been drawn to. Um, but continuity, it is just like a switch has been flipped somewhere in the writer room or the production team. I don't know in the executive suites, but I would be very interested in seeing what series of events played out to suddenly change voyager's ability to reflect on its own past
1: yeah they seem to do everything in their power not to for the longest time and i want to say the last half of this season they seem to be more leaning into it now Mm -hmm. uh episodes about time travel that reference the past events accurately Uh, you know it's it's been good it's been a positive it's been a value add. It makes it feel like more of a, a show with a continuous story than a series of bottle episodes. Yeah. And even this one, which I I know that I, I threw it with this was a good one. I, I'm, I'm This was a very sort of blah experience overall. But what I enjoyed about it more than than anything was that it felt like it was a continuation of Voyager's ongoing story. And in fact – this seems to happen almost right after Distant Origin, considering they're just now paying the bet off they just talked about in the prior episode. Yeah. So this, so was, get... a, this was a two-crisis paycheck for the, <laughs> for the Voyager crew. Yeah,
0: you know, uh, we did get some insight into where the timeline's been, and we haven't done any hard math in a while, but as of Distant Origin, we established that Basics was just over a year in show prior to that so uh certainly we're not dealing with a crisis a week but this is a back to back certainly
1: uh, a major kidnapping back to back yeah sh- ship wide kidnapping at that they got the whole they got all the voyager jacked from them but speaking of getting voyager jacked from them uh, you know Balana's doing her I am an angry Klingon thing because she doesn't want to do Klingon reindeer games and Tom really likes it and you know, it's their their attempt to kind of like build romantic tension between the two. I, you know, one of the big criticisms of Voyager, uh, in terms of his character development, is that they tried to make this happen, and and they eventually just force it, right? They just make it happen, and I think that and their and their first foray into building romantic tension between them in Blood Fever. I felt like that was well done. Yes. The the actors were kind of in the zone with that one and they made some chemistry happen there that you bought it. Yes. And so they decided to go with it from that point. But I don't, it's like the opposite of, of chemistry in this episode between the two of them.
0: I think they did more in distant origin with side conversations of him ribbing her about her trashy romance novel than all of the scene dedicated scenes that that this episode got but we get cut out of their their boring little argument by the sudden appearance of a very frumpy looking man in and i tried hard joe i put the tv on pause and i was like this is an awful costume yes what am i going to call these guys hobo popes that's a good one i thank you I, I ultima- worked
1: on that all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I said all right. They kind of look like Lego peasants, like medieval stuff. <laughs> Lego Wait. peasants from the the Castle collection. Ultimately, I decided to call them the Sad Sacks because they're all very sad and they are certainly dressed in what
1: appears to be sacks. Okay, Hobo Pope, uh, Lego peasant, Sad Sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, to describe these people, uh, they seem to be wearing gray frumpy robes with some shit on their chests as designs, mm-hmm. and they uniformly, to a person, are wearing something like it, something between uh, a a bargain pope hat, like a pope hat that you would get at at Spencer's, and. I don't know if, if you've watched Game of Thrones, the hats, the phrase wear yeah. is what it looks like. And, the, and they're humans, right? They're just normal dudes. My wife likened them, the, the
0: hats to uh, penis hats. <laughs> it looks <laughs> like the, the meatus of a penis around their head. Yeah. And, you know, we just talked about in Distant Origin, the prevalence of human knockoffs floating around the Delta Quadrant. Why would the dinosaur people? decide that the dino dudes decide that Voyager was, of course, the one true uh, homo sapien that that they're going to trace all this to. These guys are dead fucking ringers. There is not a single thing alien. This is the laziest costume. Sad sacks. Are, are the new low bar of Delta Quadrant um, costuming. And oh, the, hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's worse are than are these... Andy Korn. I'm I'm saying it right now.
1: I, I, I cannot agree with you if you're saying that these guys are worse than the candy corn people. At least the candy corn were like somewhat visually striking. Like, Bro, bro, they're visually striking because they got discount Kwanzaa gear that they got from the dollar store. That's it. These guys at least have hats. That makes them better.
0: Yeah, but the candy corn guys punched Janeway in the jaw. And that gives them bonus points in my book.
1: Sad <laughs> sacks true. are the and then worst. sweet space glocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: the first sad sack we get treated to is uh oh, what's this guy's name? I don't even care. Uh, Damar, who's played by Kenneth Tiger, and the last time that we have seen this guy in the world of Star Trek was from an old Next Gen episode. Uh, where he was the leader of basically a bunch of drug addicts floating around in space It was a symbiosis. I don't know if you remember, like these guys are getting sold uh, space drugs, being told that it's medicine they need to help them feel better. And it was that goofy situation where like Picard figured out just space narcotics, but the prime directive wouldn't let him tell these drug addicts that they're drug addicts. So instead he just leaves their ship all fucked up. So they all have to go through
1: detox. That's awful. That sounds like some season one shit. When was that?
0: Yeah, well, i trade that in happily. That was, uh, yeah, season one, episode 22. Good uh, good call on that one, Joe.
1: That makes sense.
0: But he's like, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? You know, one second, everything was fine. And, and now I'm hearing it's so cold and it's so bright. And uh, they whisk him off to sickbay to check him out and see what's going on. Now, at this point, it seems innocent enough, right? But, and and I'm gonna focus in on this right now. How many times have we had someone ab- either abducted off the ship through some sort of nefarious technology, or dudes just straight up trying to steal shuttle crafts and leave?
1: They try to address that quickly. They have the scene in sick bay where the doctor kind of checks this guy out. He explains his story. He says, "I was just walking down the street, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I felt like." I got pulled through space time and just wound up here. I don't know why I'm here. And, you know, Captain is like trying to be empathetic, like, well, this is some weird shit. We'll try and figure out what's going on. And they realize after the doctor kind of like without asking, tries to get Tuvok to help be his nurse for a second. Like, oh, where's Kess? I don't know. She's late. And then they try and find out where she is. And she's not on the ship. And she got transported away the same time this dopey sad sack guy showed up. We've gone through this so many times, like. Said it that
0: if the communicator is not on the ship's network, someone somewhere gets an alert like, hey, crewman Cass is no longer on the ship.
1: Oh, hey, you got to build that dramatic tension moment, man. I like, know, but we just how many we times so we time. seen the writer's notes where they talk about like how hard it is sometimes to write around the super technology of the 24th century to create tension in a 45 minute episode. I get it. The, the struggle is real. That's why there's never sub communicators except when the plot calls for it, right? <laughs> like We've been down that road a couple times. Same situation here. The The comm badges don't tell you when people leave because that would eliminate the moment that you have here where you're like, oh, Cass is gone. Oh, there's people being transported off too. Ba, ba, ba. I'm not even going to do the sound effect. It's so stupid. So I want right? to talk about Cass. We are now effectively
0: two episodes and as I'm going to require this episode to be titled um, to the, the second until Jerry Ryan <laughs> okay the, the second yeah, the second before Jerry Ryan comes that's that's for you Casey just just in case you hear this yeah but uh, th- this is effectively becoming the second before Kess really gets ushered out and I- I'm Not sure when exactly we part ways with her, but we're getting towards the end of the Kes experience, which has been pretty great, all things considered. What a squandered opportunity, I think, in this episode, which doesn't really have a lot going on. You know, we're getting rid of her. She's kind of seen her own future when they're like, oh, where's Kes at? she started dating. We've already established that in the space trucker episode, like throw some, just some cool stuff out about her. I don't know. Maybe she stayed out late on a date, this or that, like they're not really doing anything with her at this point. It's very clear. She's lame duck. There's no exploration whatsoever, especially in light of uh, what was the one where she was just going quantum leaping through her own life. Was that called?
1: Oh, we did that just two episodes ago. The, the time, the, the, basically the best of Kess, Time travel episode. But she has had this very intense
0: relationship with Tom Paris in the future. And even if she didn't recognize Tom as she began the journey backwards, like he was there 110% further and there is no attempt on her end whatsoever to explore any sort of relationship with him, which I think is kind of a squandered, not even not even a token gesture. So her involvement in this ultimately being the first absent body, I think, is a
1: real whiff. There's been very little in the way of her or, K- or uh, Neelix lately. I think Neelix has been a one line hero two episodes three, almost three episodes in a row. He's barely in this one, too. Um, I
0: suppose to be fair, Kes did have a whole episode dedicated to her and um, Spider Tuvok. The what was the Maglift episode that was yeah, well, <laughs> Spider Tuvok.
1: Uh, Rise. That was Rise. Rise.
0: So, I mean, they did just have a lot of limelight on them, but still with her about to be removed from the show, I I thought we could have given her a little bit better wind down. But as you pointed out, she's gone. And now we've got a double mystery. Where are these aliens coming from? Where are our crew members going?
1: Hmm. I wonder. They they, they note that essentially uh, one person gets transposed once every nine minutes and 45 seconds. So 10 Mm -hmm. minutes. And they start losing people almost right away that they're you know, noticing. Um, Harry Kim's like the first uh, bridge officer to leave. Uh, it's right after Bolana has a, Hey, Harry, am I a bitch conversation with him? But she does it like, you know, in that stereotypical, am I a bitch? And Harry's just intimidated because he's super beta. And that's just the way his character is. And uh, he gets yoinked into the nether realm. And they have a senior staff meeting with the people who are left uh, to determine what's going on, trying to analyze the situation and that the clock is ticking. And then in about 18 hours, everyone is going to be gone. And it is Janeway of, of all, all people, people. Of, of all people,
0: people. <laughs> of all people. <laughs> That's how predictable this is. Janeway, who 10 out of 10 times will walk with open arms and hug the slimy, armless, skin of evil villain and try to embrace them and look past the bad to the good, only to be crushed at the end that she was not able to overcome the friendship bridge and do the Janeway of all people to say, No, these motherfuckers are bad news and we got to deal with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Straight away, Chakotay's the one, like, Oh, this seem fine. Janeway's like, mm, Are they? <laughs> like, This seems super convenient for them. They've shown up on the ship. They're slowly replacing us. Uh, Just plain stupid. Yeah, I think uh, we need to keep a real close eye on them. We need to figure out what the hell is going on before we all get got. Because I don't trust them. And genuinely trust
0: everybody. Like This took me so far out of the episode that she is the critical
1: doubter of this entire plot. I've never seen a situation to this point in the show where they have actually put her in the active category of these people are shitbags. Yeah. It's always somebody else that is bringing it up. And Janeway is either receptive to the idea or not, but she's never the one who's like, hmm, these 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 guys are shady as fuck. I don't yeah. like it. And, and we might be overstating
0: this, but that's how big of a deal. She always yeah. gives people the benefit of the doubt. In this one, she's like, we need to build concentration camps in the cargo bays and put armed
1: <laughs> guards there like mutant internment camps now. <laughs> I I don't think we're overstating it because we both noticed how completely out of character, out of character it is. Yeah. Like, yay, hey, 66 episodes in, we've watched them all. We've talked longer about them than the episodes themselves yeah. almost every time. We know what what's going on in the show. We know every detail. And this is fucking weird. Like that alone should have gotten like everybody else. But like, man, Janeway thinks these people are fucking whack. I got to reassess my no life. I'm watching what? this because
0: this is when I'm still paying attention because I think the episode might actually be interesting. <laughs> womp womp. This is so out of character for her. My first thought was like they're not just replacing people physically. There's like body snatchers going on and that's not real Janeway. There's a third party. Like how Kim got (laughs) like, we need to shoot these guys now. Like she is so out of character, hostile towards these guys. I really believe that she had been body swapped with someone and that the real Janeway had been whisked
1: away. And this was a a body double. It's it's a legitimate theory. (laughs) They continue to have swaps happen. Torres comes to the, the theory that there might be a wormhole that they snagged onto in the moment it was forming, and that's caused them to, like, have people sucked into wherever these guys are from. And it just so happens that there's a friendly scientist of the sad sacks who's willing to assist with analyzing this information. He's a sad scientist. <laughs> yeah, he's... um. He's super uncooperative and immediately does a bunch of shady shit when he goes to uh, engineering to try and help Polana solve the problem because she's actually figuring out that um, it's not a wormhole and this is artificial and someone's making this happen. As is tradition, though, the armed security guard that is down in engineering uh, just gets got by this this rumpy old man, Mm just rumpy old dude. Just, just fucking judo chops him in the in the in the neck and fucking takes his gat and uh, makes it so that Bolana gets disappeared uh, next in the train and of course uh, you know the obvious is now out there in the open to everybody. These guys are bad and they're taking over the ship. Surprise! Jane, was right. Yeah, it's a big shocker. Uh, when. When Bolana shows up where everyone's been transported to, it's a, it looks like a standard. It, it almost looks like the Reesian uh, slash Polynesian resort background, just like in white instead of yellow. It's like Florida. Yeah, it looks like Florida. It's supposed to be nice. And uh, she's like, goes to Chainway and He's like, oh, hey, these the sad sacks are responsible for all this and she's got that bitch i know and she points to the like fucking dudes there with guns <laughs> like you should just turn around we we, we know <laughs> speaking of guns my gun fetish you know
0: i love eyeballing these props those guns look familiar to you
1: i'm sure you're gonna tell me where they're from my friend so 37, I won't spoil. man that's gimp police guns oh really mm-hmm. those are gimp suit those are gimp suit human guns yeah uh, you know, I'm glad I got a reuse on that and not the gimp suits <laughs> with the motorcycle <laughs> yeah. helmets. Those can stay in the closets where they got put after. Ugh. Yeah,
0: right with the, the alien.
1: I'm sorry, the robot sex dolls. <laughs> oh, there's a... Uh, oh, there's so much ball switch between the two of those. Yeah. Anyway. All right, all right. So they take her com badge. They're trying to figure out what's going on. These sad sacks are have uh, food replicators basically and like living amenities. And they, and they brought them medical supplies, but will not fucking answer any questions. And Tuvok uh, went around to a whole bunch of different compounds where all the crew has been spread out and has come to the conclusion that there seems to be these mysterious uh, physical barriers that are hemming them in. They're basically in a weird geological prison that seems to be somehow magically perfect for them. And they rightly all have, are under the impression that that's thus it must be artificial as a consequence. The prison that these guys get left in, Janeway even
0: offers a hypothesis that she wouldn't be surprised if this whole thing was holographic. I think it's interesting that. Again, jumping back to season one. Uh, next gen where we really start introducing the holodeck and what it is and wasn't we see a couple design jumps and they're surprised at how realistic it can seem but I'm curious at this point in the Voyager technology tree if your average Starfleet person is able to tell the difference between real versus holodeck and I would have to think yes like even if these aliens do have like super fantastic technology there's there's got to be something that kind of sets that thing apart. And it's interesting to think that they could be tricked into a holographic prison like that.
1: I completely and absolutely agree that these 26th century space people who are used to being surrounded by technology and by artificial environments have maybe some kind of like in because they've experienced the artificial environment, the real environment all the time that they may have a sense of the difference that goes beyond just visual. Mm. Um, I liken it to like when you enter the room and you can't see it, but you know, the television's on. Yeah. You get that, like a feeling that electronics are on somewhere in this, in the, in And that might something like that might be what clues them in
0: real sunlight versus um, certain lights, a genuinely cold room versus something that's been air conditioned. And I think really now that I'm I'm putting my mind into it. I think the best way to play the game of is it holographic or not is to lick it. (laughs) (laughs) Lick the bench, lick the plant, lick the rock. It's the only way to be sure I. That that's going to be my go-to. If I ever think that I might be in some sort of a holographic situation, the tongue's coming
1: out. So, licking the holographic emitters aside, you know the the folks on Voyager are led by Chakotay, and it's basically background extras that are left. There's no mm-hmm. no named crew left. Like I
0: said, it's a cheap episode,
1: and some of them actually get lines. Which is, which is, for some of these people, the only lines they get in the entire series. And some of them show up again, like, as continuously as background extras. So it's like their moment to, to get that sweet IMDB credit. And they have gotten wise now to the fact that the sad sacks are behind the disappearances because uh, Chakotay goes to the cargo bay and finds it all gone. I think he, he gets alerted that something's up because someone finds the useless ass security guard. who got judo chopped by an old man in engineering. And he's like, Oh fuck. So they, he, he you see a, a, I guess a desperate, uh, last dish effort on the part of all the background extras to hold the ship. And they all just kind of getting a uh, hot game run on them by the, uh, the sad sex. And the only one who actually puts up a real fight uh, is Chakotay himself. Who actually does cool terrorism shit for like the first time ever,
0: with zero it's, mention of the Maquis background that he has? And this is a big thing I want to get into. F- finish up your thought, and then let's jump on this.
1: Yeah, he goes all around the ship. He's pulling like systems apart. He's blown up, you know, EPS conduits. He's taking main power offline. He's A one man wrecking crew sabotaging this ship in essentially like the last 10 minutes that he has going like from spot to spot. He he knows exactly what to do to fucking get this. Now, I didn't need them to explain. He probably knows how to do this because he's a fucking terrorist. So he knows how to sabotage Federation starship. But they made me a slight mention, a reminder to the audience that, you know, he puts on his old solid snake bandana, says, I do it for Lon. And then, you know, goes on his his spree. I won't drag us down that emotional
0: <laughs> hardship of wishing that Lon was back with us and yet another perfectly crafted situation that he would have flourished in. But we've seen some pretty cool firefights on the show at this point, the best of which being uh, the Chicote Oregon Trail astral projection fight where the where Tuvok was evil and the wide dispersal beam firefight on the bridge. This episode has the worst firefight on the bridge. Oh, yes, it
1: does. Oh, my God.
0: How do you make a gunfight in the command center so boring? I I, I think I missed it because I'm like talking to my wife instead of bothering to watch this gunfight. It was miserable. And again, we joked about it in the skit. At no point, even when Janeway's in there saying, hey, we need to start locking, you know, putting these guys under lock and key. Does anybody's like, I'd rather blow the fucking ship up than hand it off to weirdo aliens. And we go for that auto-destruct button at the drop, at the literal drop of a hat. Any reason Janeway's got to blow the ship up, especially if it's a situation where, the you know, you're dealing with an alien invasion factor, be it the Kazon or even uh, the Vidians. She's ready to blow that motherfucker up here. Nothing it's very clear that they know that they're going to get the ship back and they want to leave it in a very repairable situation. But yeah,
1: well, Janeway is gone before they come to the conclusion that these guys are absolutely behind it. She's got that knot in her stomach. She knows. And and she she does, but it's before it gets paid off. And yeah, Oh, words cannot describe the, the, it wasn't even half assed. It was quarter assed fight that they have on the bridge of a bunch of extras versus the sad sacks i mean it was just emblematic of the episode itself of just like meh i also <laughs> it's, think it's interesting people to- are just standing around and just get shot like the one extra who's got lines like shoots one but it's just standing in the middle like you know like come come at me bro and just, they end up getting everybody it's just it's it is just what It's just so stupid. You know, it's like, I can't. Why did they shoot it that way? Was that your best take? Really? The sad sacks are
0: also a bunch of ugly old men and and very mediocre looking people. Even the space Amish from Tuvok in charge were more attractive people than the actors and actresses that they have uh, portraying the, the villains in this. So, yes, they look like regular humans. If you're not drawing out of an attractive Hollywood casting pool and watching a bunch of old men wrestle the control of the ship away is sad the biggest miss in this episode for me is this is a great situation to point out the difference between the federation and uh i'm sorry starfleet and the maquis because like you said in this point in the plot it becomes imperative that they handicap the ship so when it does fall into the wrong hands, since they're not willing to blow it up, that it's a useless turd. And Chicote does a great job of that. But I would have liked to see the rest of the crew identify some other Maquis people and show them just outclassing the Federation when it comes to wrecking ship. And later in the episode, we're going to see the, the prisoners, the Starfleet prisoners, start fashioning their own weapons, like MacGyvering together What at first appear to be lightsabers, but are in fact like steampunk phasers, and it's Tubak doing it. And it's like, this seems so right up Maquis alley. Why is it not the Maquis kind of proving their worth to the crew?
1: And even like improvised weapons, guerrilla tactics, jailbreaks, these are the things that you have terrorist co workers for. Yeah. Like this is where you're like, hey guys, listen. Uh it's your time to shine <laughs> it's like go get them let's talk about the scene
0: right now where they're building the hobo phaser
1: it, well like I want to I want ex- one other thing I want to say before we explore the hobo phaser which is just amazing all on its own um we have heard these guys referred to as a bunch of murderous malcontents by Chakotay himself in the past right? Mm-hmm. Like they have said on screen, like their biggest defender is like, these guys are just kind of, they got into this because they wanted to fucking get some dirt on their hands. Like that's not dirt. Who yeah. Lon Suter. We joke about it, it as a fucking serial killer. Now, then they did say, like, we always thought he was a little like close to the edge of crazy. And that was like the big thing in that episode, where like where Balana and Echikote sort of like look at each other when it's brought up it, that Lon might be involved, and like, Ugh, uh, he probably did it. <laughs> like he's a uh, he's got the for real fucking murder eye. I uh, and, I want to say. And Janeway that. is like, you didn't tell me this fucking <laughs> shit before. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, we like, didn't want you we, to
0: kick us off on the nearest planet. I think that scene you're talking about, where where Balana and Chakotay both look like they just shit their pants. <laughs> I think that might be my favorite moment in Voyager history. Period. It was such good physical acting. It was just, it was everything I, I want Voyager to be in in one moment.
1: But now the best physical acting was Chakotay rolling his eyes when he got told he had to take Neelix and twisted. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> that was the best physical acting, aside from maybe the Dolby punch. Scotty's little involves in a lot of these. L train, man.
0: Come what a fucking <laughs> what a legend ghost rider just coming out of nowhere. Dude's a fucking ninja. Stealing all the all the he, you know, he's he's got to charge up his laser. That's what it comes down to.
1: Speaking he's, of lasers, let's talk about the hobo phaser.
0: Well, okay. So so their voyager is in arguably its third worst predicament ever, right? I would say the worst predicament for Voyager as a whole was was it was deadlock where the entire crew was getting murdered and organ thieved in the hallways, right? Yeah, agreed. The second basics where your season long enemy, the Kazon, have finally won up to you under the skillful command of the Obsidian Agent, Burn Queen. And okay. now this—you've had the ship completely wrestled away from you. You haven't suffered any casualties. It hasn't necessarily been violent, but you are all going to be stuck in some sort of a jail for the rest of your lives while your sweet ass Federation technology falls in the wrong hands. This is, this is a, this is go time across the board. And I just don't feel like the crew is treating it like the huge threat that it is. We cut over to Tuvok and Chakotay. And like I said, it looks like he's got some sort of a phaser. I'm sorry, a lightsaber. Neelix comes over saying he's pulled some parts off the wall, which how, if it's a big holodeck, are they getting capacitors and servos and whatever else? And Chakotay's talking to Tuvok, and he's like, wow, you know, you're really surprising me at how you're improvising with all this. Tuvok's talking about some riots he was in. Uh, and then Chakotay tells a story about, you know, this reminds me of uh, training exercises in the Federation and, you know, being left out into rugged wildness. And I was like, what? They're trying so hard right now, I feel, to whitewash his background, to get rid of these terrorist roots. Like, this is the perfect time to talk about, like, shit like this is what we dealt with every day in the Maquis. uh, You know, Tuvok, even leave Tuvok to make the phaser and say, Tuvok, you know, it's a damn shame that you were really a Starfleet officer the whole time because, man, did you make a great in the dirt terrorist when you were infiltrating my crew? Like so many good callback opportunities, such a prime time for the Maquis backgrounds to shine and flourish. And said, you've got the leader of the Maquis talking about during my time in Starfleet and training exercises and blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, this isn't what you're supposed to be.
1: I completely agree with your entire rant there, man. Like, I think we both have an affection for, the early gritty Maquis stuff that there was a potential there that goes untapped. And there isn't even a word of acknowledgement in the episode about it. I didn't necessarily need a self-referential moment on Chicote's part while he's sabotaging the ship. But at some point, some acknowledgement that these Maquis guys bring the prison shank level, you know, grittiness to the table as a bonus for when Voyager needs it Particularly when they're fucking in prison as a team again uh, with access to Kitbash, you know, technological tools. It was a great opportunity and they declined to explore it. Uh, We do instead get like some sweet Tuvok shade at Chakotay, which I, I will always enjoy. Because the the sort of low level antagonism these two uh, antagonism that these two have for each other uh, is has definitely been a through line through the series, and uh, Nailix comes over with all the parts he pilfered, <laughs> and uh, Tuvok you know acknowledges the receipt of of the parts and that he's going to be able to make his second weapon uh, if he can get one more piece, and then Chakotay says, "So you're that would assumes that the first one uh, will work," and then Tuvok just looks over at him and says yes it's like bitch are you for real yes yes i'm assuming my fucking hobo phase will work mm. would you rather assume it didn't the fuck is wrong with you it's like with this time that you, i made a bow and arrow and you thought it was for you no no bitch it wasn't for you it was for me because yeah. because i do archery never thing's about you and then they have like a talk of about like all the survival stuff and Tuvok's like, yeah, I had to survive like five months in the Vulcan desert with a knife. I'm way cooler than all of you terrorists. Whatever. I just I'm looked at us.
0: So it, it's the right of Tarmarath or something. I thought he was saying the riots of Tarmorath. I was like, how the hell is a Vulcan ending up in the Vulcan youth ending up in the middle of riot zones in the enlightened post scarcity of. Uh, Federation. <laughs> At more shades of the Mary Sue of of uh, how wonderful and cool and badass Vulcans are.
1: And when they're not trying to rape their coworkers. Obviously, yeah. obviously, when <laughs> that's yeah. exception in those moments. Uh, the rest of the episode is a total snooze fest. Uh, all of the interesting things have now happened. I guess it's where it's. We have to point out, uh, Chakotay nabbed the doctor on the way out, put him in the mobile emitter, and they essentially use him as a uh, tricorder to find little portals. Because what happens is a nearby reptilian alien, helpful, helpful hobo alien uh, comes by, bamfing out of the wall and is like, hey, guys, I'm your neighbor. And they find out, of course, that they're in a technological prison. This is after all of the sad sacks have left and taken Voyager. And they say, yeah, we just we just fucking take shit this way because it's easier than killing everybody. So enjoy your prison. It's could be worse. We could have killed you and then just fuck off.
0: I like the lizard neighbor. I thought he was one of the better parts of the episode. I thought he would have been a cool like recruitment option, but that's already kind of what Neelix does. I'd like to see some scenes between him and Neelix. I thought those would have been fun. Instead, he just deals with Janeway, who basically tries to bribe him
1: with a trail mix, trail mix, and popcorn balls. So much... yeah, but, but I was watching this with Stevie, and and you know she like Janeway like has that that sort of like sultry diplomatic pose that she kind of goes into, not quite flirty. Yeah. But just maybe a Swanky. tiny bit flirty. A little just just a touch that she like pulls over the, the food. You know, it's like, we can work together. And he's like, you know, oh, I'm a little hesitant. And then she pulls over the other bed. Do you kind want to do the
0: lick test, lizard man?
1: And it's like it go it just dips a little bit into the flirty angle. <laughs> Stevie looks over at me, he's like, Are that is Jan we gonna fuck that alien? <laughs> Because that just made me feel like Ray was going to, like, give him a quickie or something in exchange for his, like, portal gun. I mean, what's, what's, what is, ew. This episode,
0: it's, it feels like just a bunch of different rehashes jammed together and warm back up. Like, this is all shit we've already done. We just got done dealing with lizard dinosaur men. We already had aliens kick Voyager off the ship. We've already had having to retake it and sabotaging things like and it just doesn't do any of them really well for me. Chicote's decision to grab the doctor seemed so counterintuitive. The last time this happened, basics one and two, the doctor specifically, and Lon Suter of course, you know, two people retook the entire ship. And they are the only reasons why Starfleet got back onto their starship and was able to control, continue the journey. Him taking the doctor away when the rest of them are being teleported off. Like, why would you take the ace up your sleeve and bring it with you? Like, how would you possibly know? Eh, Whatever. The the tricorder functionality stuff aside, just, hey, here's a super capable dude who I will also point out, whatever happened with the Jekyll and Hyde uh, doctor episode from Darkling He has retained his Proficiency uh, With fucking dudes up With hypo sprays. When the sad sacks are trying to force their way Into the med bay doors Like zombies And Chicote's working feverishly to try And get his program into the mobile uh, Hollow emitter The first guy kind of sticks his head through the door Like oh, we see you and the doctor just Gets right in there with a yeah. ninja And takes him out
1: It's like, hold on, I I got a chance to to, to inject one dude with some shit that, I don't know, might kill him. I don't actually know anything about their physiology, really. This could be murder juice.
0: Uh, Real quick, full disclosure, before you take my transporter with you to wherever the fuck you're going, um, I've been lying this whole time, evil doctor is still in me, I just took my dentures out, Uh, I've just been chilling, waiting for my chance to kill all you guys, but uh, I'm here, I'm willing to kill leave me here i'll kill all these guys and i'll come pick you up deal (laughs) and then just freeze frame on chakotay's face as he's like slack jawed and gets teleported away and then goes back into like uh hey balana did you ever actually run that deep scan on the doctor
1: (laughs) or he's like i built in a lawn suitor protocol (laughs) protocol yeah like in honor of my of my uh my fallen comrade and he just like uh, hits some buttons on the console, and he just like actually turns in the lawn suitor. You know, it's like oh. with, complete with pr- programmed oh. crazy. eye. slaps on the mobile emitter, oh,
0: grabs his pipe. Now you're talking uh, my language. Hey, yeah. you know, Chicote, in the wake of B'Elanna psychologically torturing me with the death of my child, I decided I don't want to be good anymore. And I'm going to embrace my evil side. <laughs> so excuse me while I go <laughs> inject this dude full of uh, <laughs> some sort of space poison. That stuff I replicated out of Culla's sweet <laughs> Dakota <laughs> yes. ring.
1: Yeah, Culla's sweet assassin dude. What the if the doctor's got that on, and that
0: guy comes in, and he just twists the thing, pops out, and jabs the guy in the neck, be like, eh. good enough for the Kazan, good enough for the sad sacks. None of that fun stuff happens, though, at all.
1: No, no, none of that happens. Instead. In fact,
0: what we, we have to deal with is more, It again, in the middle of the worst crisis the third worst crisis that Voyager has suffered since their arrival in this goddamn quadrant. (laughs) Uh, We have more domestic disputes between Tom and Bolano.
1: God, I cannot emphasize enough, the negative zone in which these two's chemistry has vanished is awful. They were so on point when they did blood, Blood Fever. I don't know if it was that they you know uh roxanne dawson was just dialed up to 11 because of the subject matter or what but whatever these two had going as far as like building chemistry with each other and making you buy a romantic relationship to, is just evaporated into nothingness and you know they're trying to like have they're trying to build this sort of they really like each other but you know they're having difficulty really like connecting with each other in a way that, you know, is lasting because, you know, she's a Klingon and he's like a free spirit convict. You know, they they're trying to do that, but there's no like spark. There's no emotion. It's just two wood planks just bashing into each other while the doctor makes snide comments. It's dumb and I hate it. So
0: I think this is Lisa Clink, and I want to call her it's Lisa. Lisa Kink. Kink. But there's just nothing sexy going on. She's had some, some some sexy episodes before, and whether it was good writing or bad writing, at least you kind of felt what she was going for. And I, Maybe that was just her influence on this episode of trying to make there be something sexy, but this is just... I think the stakes are supposed to be too high. Nobody's recognized. I mean, look, look at what's going on. These guys are completely cut off. They're stuck in a, a space jail... That's technologically superior to the shoot, which had everybody dead to rights. They've got nobody on the ship. You know, there's no suitor, there's no doctor. They're just completely fucked. And nobody's like shit in the bed. Nobody's like shit in their pants worried about this stuff. So these domestic disputes, I think, just kind of clown that in even more. And it's just, it's all a big waste of time. And I think a real low point for their performance. They find a way to hack the door. They get out. They start sneaking around the space station, which is kind of like a skeleton crew. It's a big ship full of different biospheres, and each one is a massive holodeck. They kind of go channel surfing and see the different environments out there and open random doors and get treated to wild vistas. Luckily, none of which are, you know, full of poisonous gases for alien races that are incompatible with humans
1: and nobody's lungs get melted or anything fun like that. They jailbreak from the prison. They find the prison controls because they're magic Federation science people. They suddenly know how to read an alien language and reprogram an alien computer. And they find all the other habitats on this weird space station prison that they're in. And, you know, eventually they find, they figured their way out of this, out of the problem by, uh, starting to transport the sad sex to a a, a, a hoth planet mm-hmm. a hoth habitat which is extremely bad for them physiologically fun like straight point up- about
0: two of them yeah fun part about the hoth planet was uh, the throwaway dialogue that Klingons do not do well in the cold and then Paris is like well I thought uh, you know that was a Cardassians and she says no the Cardassians just cry more about it than we do But she's not doing good, and he's got to start holding her to warm him up. I'll also point out that when the two sad sacks die in front of them, uh, their wonky steampunk phaser has broken, and they don't just grab those dudes' guns, which would have been the smart thing to do, but whatever. And uh, yeah, Janeway takes over the technology. They start pulling the leadership off of Voyager, which is speeding back to try to provide assistance. What really doesn't click for me with these sad sacks is that there's no real consequence on the line. Like, their whole concept seems real hokey. They've got – and again, we're retreading ground. They are misrepresenting what seem like third-party disasters. So the same as Rise, right? The the asteroid carpetbaggers, they're going to – create a disaster on the planet with asteroids, make it seem like it was just an insuitable planet. And then they come in and they set up a colony and they take everything over. Same deal with these guys. They slowly one at a time, replace the crew. And then now they've got a new space station or a colony or a spaceship or whatever, but they're just putting all these guys on this big ass vessel. Like if you can build a huge holodeck vessel, that's going to house thousands of people for essentially the rest of their lives. What do, you, what do you need to go steal other people's ships for? You obviously have, like, yeah, I, wild
1: technology. I'm really glad you're bringing this up, because there's also my complaint as well. The idea of these guys, like, showing up and using their dopey, oh, we don't know what's going on shtick to, like, steal people's stuff is not itself a bad idea. That could be quite a good idea, particularly for, like, a bunch of space con artists or, you know, space gypsies or whatever. Like, I, that would be neat. But the... They don't do anything to explain why the hell they have to do this other than they just don't like fighting. I I came up with this whole idea in my head after watching the episode of, like, what if – I mean, they're right on the border of Borg space, right? We know that they are. They know that we are. The show knows that they are. So what if they're like – this is how people – like, Delta Quadrant's already wild enough. But on the edges of where the Borg are, it's every fucking man for themselves. And that means that these guys—they take every scrap of technology that comes meandering down the path. They, you know, they they seize control of stuff, and they they even just warehouse the people they steal it from. You never know when you might have to like float one of these little uh, habitats out into the middle of bork space to like get a cube off your back, right? Sure. Like there was some like dark, interesting, inappropriate paths that this idea could have gone down that would have been cool. And they just don't really ever explain any of it it's just over it's the standard once again i mean at some point you should go back through every fucking episode where i say this because i'm sure at this point it's we're past two dozen of good idea bad execution they had a germination of like a clever thing and they're like and it flies away like a bird and they just don't like bye see ya whatever bye we didn't need to develop you or anything it's it's fine there's totally nothing nefarious.
0: Buy. There's nothing nefarious. You saying space con artists sounds awesome, but they're not. These are just mopey, sad, sack guys. Well, you know, we're really nice and sorry we got to do this, but we're taking your shit. Like, put some sort of edge that puts urgency on this. And maybe that's why Tom and Balan are sitting there getting in fights about their date that sucked. And maybe I don't want to talk to you <laughs> anymore. It's because they're just in a little paradise. Like, okay, uh, put the hidden agenda. By the way, the... The biosphere ship is flying back to the Vidians, where you're going to be sold as slaves for parts, and that's our thing. We go out and we acquire technology, and we buy protection from the you know rest of the Delta Quadrant by slave trading people. Sure, now these guys are suddenly interesting. Now there's a reason why I want to see Voyager fight hard to get out of there. It, it doesn't exist, and also too, they didn't, they didn't have to do much to make it interesting, and they did nothing. These guys come off as two-dimensional because there's nothing to hang on to. Like a lot of times you've got bad guys that are bad for no reason and they seem like they're two-dimensional. These guys are just so flat and boring. They're two-dimensional. And then the technology scale in this is crazy. So Janeway gets the upper hand. She starts stunting on these guys. She gets the sad sack leader with her on Hoff. And she's like you're going to turn my ship over and blah, 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 or else I'm going to leave you to be in the cold. And he's like, no, fuck you. And then she's like, well, I already did this with the space clown. I'll see you later. No, 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 wait, wait. Okay, yeah, sure. We'll let you enslave us. And then she's going to return everybody to their home colonies or whatever, which what's the impact that's going to have on the Delta Quadrant, a bunch of people coming home. Is that going to buy her some some credit <laughs> on uh, next door? Who knows? But you got two huge acquisitions as part of them taking over this ship. And I would say I understand a lot of time if they're not willing to steal people's technology, but in this case, to the victor go the spoils of war. Uh, They tried to steal your ship, help yourself. You've got this wild ass transporter technology where you can beam people off of a ship from light years away, right? Right. Super far away. Like, how how valuable is that? And I think that'd be something really cool is that when Voyager comes home to the Alpha Quadrant, that they've brought all this amazing information, knowledge, and technology with them. So you've got the most powerful transporter technology ever and some crazy ass scanners because this little uh, con job that the Sad Sacks run is fully dependent on the fact that we are going to prey on cultures and vessels that are not going to fuck us up out of the gate. Because if you pulled this shit on the Klingons or the Romulan or Ferengi or anything else, your ass would be getting shot and probably eat. But, you know, they knew that the, the Federation was nice, hippy dippy, and was going to let them run this game until it was too late. That means that they had the ability to scan and observe and pry into databases and basically remote, ha- which they even say in the episode, you know, we already know how this stuff works because we have we've observed their systems from super far away. So you got crazy sensors, you got crazy transporters. And I'm guessing that's the last we ever hear of either of these things because they just don't acquire the technology for themselves.
1: Well, you nailed it. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing else to say. You said, because you said it all, um, this episode is not the worst because the worst is like actively hateful. Yeah. Like it makes me regret watching it. Uh, it's not even like good, bad. It's not like ridiculous and enjoyable as a consequence of how stupid it is. It's just one, another and a long line of lost opportunities uh, that is a little worse than some of the others because of no chemistry between your quote, uh, your, your romantic B plot and a total lack of development of your primary villain. I'm of say, course, Voyager gets the ship back. Of course, everyone gets to go home. Of course, Tom and Balana make up a little bit, and Voyager flies off the end. I'm going to give this one a D, which is, is pretty low. Like you said, it's not
0: terrible. It's not 37s. It's not a low, gym, It's not time and again. But I want to say this is probably one of the worst ones that we've seen in, in Season 3. And we've been on such a good roll. Like I can't even remember, really, what's the last legitimately bad episode we've watched like the big crime for me is to feel like I'm wasting my time and I started falling asleep like not paying attention to this episode I was like man what a weird sensation because I've been pretty glued to these Voyagers for better or for worse you know even uh, Favorite Son objectively a terrible episode but man it was fun and the thought experimentation and everything else but this was just a boring fucking waste uh, that I regret having watched so. Going
1: back through season three because we're close to the end now, and thinking of the last time we we saw like a, something that was like this a d episode, not the worst, but also not like enjoyably bad or interesting. Like favorite favorite son is a perfect example of good bad, excellent bad. I love <laughs> yeah excellent <laughs> excellent bad. Before that was rise, which I think we just liked. Uh, before that was darkling, which was again like great a, a great good doctor. Good laughs, Uh, great laughs. Uh, Unity, which was the first Borg, like, big Borg episode. Don't drink the Cubade, man. Good one. Uh, Blood fever. Uh, Of course, everyone enjoyed the the trip to the Caves of Hell fuck palace. Uh, I think the the last, like, truly, like, just bad episode we watched was Coda, which was the one that didn't know what the fuck it wanted to be about Janeway having near-death experiences. And uh, there's a, a a mind demon that sucks up everyone's souls and shit like that was just bafflingly stupid. That's the last time. And that was uh, 10 episodes ago.
0: Crazy. That's 10. That's more than 10 weeks of you and me watching this because we've had a couple breaks in there. It's been a long time. And even Coda, you know, the test of time in my mind is when I look back on my notes and I listen to you talk about these things, like I cut all the bullshit about Coda out. <laughs> I just remember there are mind parasites. Hell demons in the Delta Quadrant do not go in the white light. Like, how fucking wild is that? Even even knowing that that is now canon is, is some sort of redeeming feature. But this thing is just like, yeah, there's super good transporters out there, and uh, Voyager
1: just squandered it. I think you'd have to go all the way back to the Q and the gray to uh, get like something that was just angry. It just made us angry, right? Like, that was just so bad and he's angry. And that was. That was uh, the eleventh episode of the season, and this was the twenty fourth. So, I think Voyager had a pretty has had a pretty good season three, pretty great season. And I, you know, let's talk about why
0: that it. We're getting in a mess hall topic, or you know, rip. I I think if we were to go back and try and find at what point Voyager let itself become start becoming self referential, that's probably how we started ending up with quantifiable good episodes that our fun and better podcast material and all that other stuff. So that that's going to be some homework for me is to see where do we start self-referring and when do we feel that exact intersection is where Voyager comes into its own. All right, Joe can only go forward though. Yeah. What are we watching next week? <sighs> watching the one before Jerry Ryan appears. I'm sorry. Uh, watching season three episode 25 worst case scenario we see a very dark and brooding looking chakotay holding a phaser along with uh the queen of burns herself seska members of the voyager crew clad stanley clandestinely participate in a hidden holodeck program where the ship's maquis members stage an insurrection
1: so there's a backstory to this that you don't know that i'm gonna tell you I rewatched this one very recently. And in fact, it was re in rewatching this episode that I finally decided to ask you if you wanted to do this podcast. And it wasn't because this episode is bad. In fact, I would consider this one of my personal favorites, uh, but it was an episode that I'm like, you know what? This show has got enough meat on its bones that I think we can pull this off. And I'm excited to obviously get a chance to watch it again and then discuss it with you given that that uh, setup. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any
0: chance to get back in with uh what's her name? Martha Hackett?
1: Yep, Martha Hackett. Good old Queen of Burns Seska Return of our mascot. Well, not the our mascot is lawn suitor, but return, <laughs> return of our favorite villain. We will see everybody here next week. Uh same uh, time, same place. Join us for a review of Worst Case Scenario and we'll have more to announce for a season three rest in peace live stream that will come after we finish Scorpions. So uh, if you enjoy those, don't worry, one is definitely coming and we'll talk to you about it later.